you've ever been to uh, England, one of the first things that you, if you just kind of have your eyes open, kind of just viewing the, the culture and the media there, uh, you realize how much, <clears throat> at least the media, the tabloids, are into what they call royalty watching. They, uh, they report on everything about the royal family. Um, you know, it just, it's, it just uh, it's kind of unbelievable. Uh, paparazzi, as they call them. I know they follow people around here in America, but, but it's nothing like what the royals get there in the UK. And, and you know, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, here's Jesus, and we're going to talk about him being born in a manger and so forth. Um, but, you know, here's Jesus, and, uh, you know, it, it, he gets no attention. And, and the Christmas story is actually kind of, a, kind of a template for how the gospel is going to be in, 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 the, in the years following uh, the, the story that we're going to read, because the gospel is always going to have this kind of humble element to it where everybody's paying attention to everything else. And yet, here's Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, years ago in the 60s, uh, when a lot of the Jesus movement was happening among a lot of the hippies and stuff, of which, you know, this fellowship is kind of a, uh, an outgrowth of, uh, they, uh, there was a very well-known uh, production called Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, I guess they redid this about a year ago. Uh, with John Legend or one of those guys, I don't, I know, I might have the name wrong, but uh, you know, and they did a live performance or whatever. But they revisited this, uh, this, this, uh, this movie. It was a play turned into a movie, and uh, you know, Jesus Christ will never be this world superstar. Now he is the superstar. Doesn't even begin to talk about who he is, and uh, the wise men who followed his star in the east. Uh, because it's always going to have the template we're looking at here this morning, and that that is is that it bypasses much of the uh, of the of the glory. In fact, uh, and this is a point I want to make this morning: all the powerful people in our world are simply fulfilling God's prophecies and word. They don't even know it; they're just they're pawns of God's uh, uh, purpose in the earth, uh, no matter if they believe or they don't believe or if they've ever heard, uh, because God is in control this, this uh, morning. This Christmas story reminds us of some very powerful things that have our, our uh, attention and our concern this morning. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 2, uh, beginning at verse 1 and reading through verse uh, number 12, uh, let's see, and I'll go over to Matthew, let me get to Luke, and so Luke chapter 2, and it says, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while that they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver, to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, 
Amen. Um, just as a point of note here, Catholics ought to take note. He says, firstborn son. Amen. Mary had other kids, just so, just so you know. And wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And so we'll leave it right there. Amen. Father, we just bless your name once again this morning. We thank you, God, that our hearts can be given in worship and in praise, God, and we can have revelation about who Jesus is. And as we look to your word once again in the Christmas story, and the birth of our Savior, God, that you would speak to every heart. Give us the assurance and the confidence, God, that this story brings. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk for a couple of minutes here. First of all, that uh, the powerful of this world are actually pawns in God's hand. It's a very important truth. People, uh, you know, people can get very nervous about powerful people. And a lot of it, you know, rightly so. We ought to be concerned about who our leaders are. Amen, because leaders have tremendous amount of power. Now, America, is, is, uh, American government is predicated on the idea that men ought to have limited powers. Ought to, that's why we have a government separation of powers. And without taking time to break all that down, I hope you as an as a American uh, understand your system of government. It's very important that you understand how people govern and why they can govern and what is, uh, what is in effect, uh, uh, approved power. But uh, the, 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 the message of this story is that even the most powerful people are simply pawns to God's story. That's why uh, the first part of this talks about Caesar Augustus. Now, nobody had more power than the Caesars. They actually thought that they were God. Amen. They actually thought uh, that they were a god, little gods on the earth. Uh, uh, and today we, you know, we mock at such a thing. But uh, there were lots of people back in the day that actually accepted this kind of idea. Kings and their offspring. As I said, the remnants of which uh, are uh, in, in uh, UK today still uh, uh, looked at the royals as like mini or demigods. They weren't normal people like you and me. And so this was our world, uh, and this is the world that Jesus was born into. But what I want you to catch uh, is that even these men that had unlimited power were simply pawns in God's plan. Caesar Augustus says that, you know what, we need to, we need to get all them Jews over there in Palestine. Uh, we need to get them all registered. Uh, I think they're ripping tax money off from us. We don't got them all. We, I don't want no underground economy, man. Uh, uh, we got to make sure we're getting what's ours. And he had the power from Rome to put his stamp on something uh, and then, uh, and then uh, hundreds uh, of miles away uh, and, and uh, people that he didn't know in a remote place uh, were being affected by it. And so here's the truth this morning. People, God has given men, God has given women now who are rising to power, given them influence. They, what they say is very powerful. 
It is true that people have tremendous power, but I want, I want you to see by this story, even the most uh, uh, evil of rulers, uh, they're simply pawns in God's story. Somebody called history his story. Amen. Because it's all bringing out uh, uh, the will and the purposes of God. And that's what this Christmas story is showing us. You know, I'm always amused by, not in a bad way, not in a good way. How many of you can be amused in a bad way uh, by these pompous atheists in our culture who have a platform, who are on shows or in different places, uh, and, uh, you know, they're living in the enlightened West, man. We have a Christian culture. They have the freedom of speech. Uh, they can say whatever they want. They don't even know where that comes from. They don't even understand, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the roots of how we got to this tolerant society. And they're just spouting, uh, well, the Bible's this and Christianity. Uh, and they remind me of little kids playing in a play box in the sand. And maybe they're there for an hour and they're building their own little, uh, little idea of the world. They're in their little pretending, their little pretend. Uh, all the while, they're under the watchful gaze of a mom or a dad uh, who's keeping an eye on them, making sure they're safe, uh, making sure everything's okay. That's what they remind me. They don't even realize why they haven't got the freedom to talk. And I always think, take your, take your atheism and go into the Middle East and, and see how that works out for you. And so, you know, we don't understand things about the ways of the world. So the Bible says a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and it was. Powerful men make decisions. that kind of, Your life can be changed tomorrow by a decision that you had nothing to do with. This man was named Octavian. They tell us, history tells us, who was renamed Caesar Augustus, and he believed himself to be the son of God. He won a deathly power struggle for emperor with the illegitimate son of Julius Caesar and Cleopatra. And so here Judea now, as we pick up the stories under Roman authority, and as I said, he's wanting to tax and register them. And it just so happens that a little teenage Jewish girl named Mary is in about her ninth month and ready to be delivered. And so, you know, you know she no doubt was... Uh, was, you know, really ticked off uh, when, when she was given the news, uh, uh, you guys got to go all the way to Bethlehem. Now, Nazareth to Bethlehem is about 40 to 50 miles, if I remember right. And, you know, you know, they just didn't get in the car and go and find a holiday inn. You know, you know the story. They got on a camel, and, uh, and, and she's pregnant on a camel for 40 miles. Amen. You can imagine and so she wasn't happy, but it wasn't up to her. Listen to me this morning. Many things happen that are, we just simply respond to in life. Because, as I said, other people make decisions. This is especially true. The younger you are, perhaps, before you enter an adulthood where you have any sense of, of, of autonomy with your life. But even in, this, in, the, in the Christmas story, this little teenage girl, Mary, and her betrothed, uh, Joseph, uh, are, uh, you know, are being forced to go to Bethlehem. But the story is, if you know it, is that the prophet Micah has said that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of a virgin. And so, again, they didn't even, they, 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 you know, you would have thought, well, they were reading. They knew the, we need to get to Bethlehem because he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. They, do, they didn't do any of that. They had very limited knowledge. And yet... The prophet had already said, and so really, 
Augustus was actually being used to fulfill the prophecy. And again, he didn't care about the prophecy. He didn't care about anybody but himself. Uh, but this is the power of, of influential people in our world that have power. In proper context, which is to say God's purpose in the earth, Augustus is a bit player to fulfill the words of the prophets and for the purposes of Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes this, you can wring our hands, you know. Um, you know, who's going to be the next president after this one? And what can, oh, man, if Hillary would have got in, man, it would have been rough, you know. Stuff like that or if this. And we can wring our hands. But, but as Christians, we have, we're able to see a big picture, amen. God's fulfilling his will. By the way, this is always a tension. How much, you know, is it, we just let it play out and watch or, or do we influence it, you know? That's the tension uh, that Christians have always had in our world. Uh, but uh, but uh, what I'm challenging you to do is not so much to think about it in those terms, but the big picture is that God is in control. Everybody's doing things that are fulfilling the word of God and the purposes uh, of God. And the reality of our world that decisions made many times by powerful people in faraway places affect our lives. We talk about self-determination, as I said, and personal autonomy, uh, uh, but many times it's the whims and the wishes of others that determine our future. This is a part that's always boggled the mind of theologians, free will versus, uh, versus this. Uh, and, uh, you know, we try to make sense of it. All we can do is lay hold of the Word of God and stand on its promises. Some of you here tonight, uh, this morning, you need to hear. For the Bible says, all things work together for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes. Sometimes nothing in life is going to make sense, uh, but you need to understand it and find some kind of security and peace with that promise. All things are working together for the good according to God's purpose. Last week... Um, was the 77th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And that happened on December 7th, 1941, and I was driving, listening to an interview on the radio. A guy who wrote another book about Pearl Harbor, and uh, he made the statement that I thought was interesting. He said the average age of, of the Navy personnel at Pearl Harbor was only 19 years old. 19 years old was the average age, and so most of those killed at Pearl Harbor were 19 years, 20 years old, 18 years old, and they had nothing to do with it. They just, many of them, you know, uh, you know, I don't know how much of a draft they had back then, uh, but, you know, the, the circumstances led them to, to be there that day, uh, and they knew nothing about uh, Hirohito in, in Japan, uh, uh, you know, making this plan uh, that the, the General Zero had been working on. They knew nothing about behind-the-scenes negotiations that were breaking down with Roosevelt uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, all they were was just there doing their job, and that was it for them. A lot of my older friends that are a little older than me, uh, my cousins and, and various people, they went to Vietnam. You got drafted to go to Vietnam. Unless you ran away to Canada or Mexico, you went to Vietnam if you were drafted. And you didn't have nothing to do with it. They, uh, you know, Johnson, I think it was, and Nixon, uh, they call, calling the shots uh, in their administration. And, and here you are, you know, an 18-year-old kid walking through rice paddies looking for mines. Uh, and that nobody, you, you wouldn't have wanted to be in that position, but it's a reminder that powerful men uh, can influence your life. That's the nature of our world. Uh, but I'm trying to get you to see God's plan is bigger than all of it. 
the Caesar Augustuses of our world are only advancing the purposes of God. Their power is real, but so is God's will. The question is, where do you fall in God's will? And how do you see it, and do you accept it? And do you want to be a part of it? See, God has his own plans. The story here is how God circumvented the powerful and the wealthy of this world uh, to reveal his son. Israel was uh, one of the humblest of nations, but God even bypassed their own power structure as they had this phony king named Herod sitting on the throne. Uh, and it's a reminder that God is always reaching past uh, the power structures of our world to deliver his gospel, deliver his son to the world. The Bible says that, uh, that God has chosen the poor of this world, uh, rich in faith. Now, if you're poor this morning, uh, amen. If you're rich in faith, uh, you ought to thank God. Some of you aren't nearly as poor as you think. But, you know, uh, God has always chosen the poor of this world. He doesn't need the power structures of this world to bring his son to people. A lot of people get, as I said, there's a tension of how much should we be responsible. Uh, we need to get some people running for city council uh, and, and school boards. Uh, let's raise up a, a president that's a tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled preacher. I'm all for it. But you know what? God's will, as this story represents, can use anything and does. He reaches the poor of this world. You know, even as Western cultures are, are, are throwing away, church, church uh, membership is on decline. Uh, England and Europe is horrible. America is starting to fall. People are, are losing their way spiritually. Uh, and people, oh, Christianity, is, it's on its last, uh, uh, you know, it's on its last uh, generation. Uh, and it's just falling every day. Nobody knows the Bible anymore. And uh, nobody uh, preaches the Bible. And so there's all these things that are happening. And some of that is overblown, but some of it is true. But I'll tell you what, there are millions of people in Africa and in Asia that are loving to be in church and loving to read the Bible. There are, there are, there are conversions that are happening uh, by, the, by the hundreds and the thousands uh, in many of the poorest remote areas of our world because the poor are always going to get the gospel preached to them. And this Christmas story is a template how God reaches the world. Bible says that she brought forth her firstborn son, verse 7, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him on a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is the nativity scene, you know. She, you know, you, you, in their day, they didn't have hospitals. You had your babies at home. They weren't even at home. They didn't have no place for them. They were in a place where they're feeding animals, and, uh, they, you know, have a little bit of shelter, have a little bit of coverage. Uh, and there is the Savior of the world being born into that place. Don't ever, don't ever underestimate the, 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 the depth that God will go to in humility. This speaks to tremendous, you know, we, 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 we memorialized it and, and uh, now you buy nativity scenes and everything, and, and it's just all, you know, kind of, 
kind of, that fits good right here. It looks good. Let's put some light on it uh, and, you know, and everything. But this is, it couldn't be more humble. You know, God meets us in the humble place. We don't like to be humbled. Uh, amen. But as I've said before, God is committed to your humility. And if you're married, so is your spouse. And he has no problem humbling us. And, and, you know, when you see this baby that's wrapped in swaddling cloths, I mean, this couldn't be, the, you know, uh, you know it's, it's just like nothing, anything. Put something, anything, cover that little baby. I was thinking, you know, they got clothes for real cool kids for newborns, you know. That's moms are all excited, not about being pregnant, uh, they're about delivering. That's what they're excited about. Uh, but then they're thinking about I'm going to dress them this way, and and you know, uh, I saw uh, uh, my little granddaughter Penelope was at my house the other day, and she had a little shirt uh, that said "Still Living at Home," you know. And so this is this is cool. You dress these kids. I'll see what could Jesus have if he if he had a, cl- a little shirt, you know. I mean, the chosen one, and it had about. <laughs> About 18 scripture references, uh, of my, you know. I mean, you could have, and it wouldn't have been lying either. Or, you know, uh, you know, going to inherit the kingdoms of the world uh, in this little baby. And yet, here he was in the most humblest place. See, he should have been in, you know, you read about some of these celebrities and they have kids. I, I remember reading about, uh, um, uh, 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 what's his name, man? Um, um, I should know it. He's married to, what's her name? Um, Jay-Z, there you go, Jay-Z. I guess I was, Dr. Dre kept coming to my head, but I knew that wasn't the right one, you know. Jay-Z and, and, and married to her. And so they, they I remember they, they, the, 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 the news story was they, they bought out a whole floor of a hospital. You know, I can't remember California or Texas or New York, I don't remember, but they got the whole floor, they cleared it out. Because their baby was being born, you know. And uh, who knows, you know, everybody's on call. And, uh, you know, and yet here's Jesus in this humblest of, you know, can't be any more humble. This is, you know. And God's saying something here. There's always going to be this element to the gospel. Jesus says one of the signs of the gospel when he said the, the deaf hear and, and uh, the lame walk and the blind see, he said, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. That's another sign because uh, we live in a world that doesn't care about the poor. We live in a world that uh, tries to philosophically deny the poor. And yet here's the gospel and template. Jesus is born into a little manger. See, this is the Son of God, the real one. And this is the gospel. People hear about Jesus and, and they go, yeah, yeah, I already know about that. I don't know, think there's nothing to it. I don't think there's anything to it. Uh, the ones with the power, man, that's what's really going on in our world. And what, what, what a... What a dichotomy here. Caesar Augustus versus Jesus. One, having real power, as I said. Real power. This isn't fake, man. He's affecting the world. But in reality, he's just a pawn in the hands of God. You know, the same is true today. The world loves its own. Jesus told his disciples, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. 
Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, that's not to give you a complex or me, you know. Oh, man, the world hates me, you know. Uh, you know. But if you're going to start running in those circles of people of power, don't be, don't be surprised if they do. You know who, you know the, the, the world, the United States press hates Donald Trump. Think about that, that hatred. It's, and I know a lot of hatred towards leaders today. It's not just him. But his has taken on another, another form. But you know who they hate just as much? And they've said, one of the reasons we want to get rid of Trump is because the guy under him. And that guy couldn't be more of a humble, quiet type of personality. Totally the opposite of Trump. He wouldn't tweet at 3 in the morning, uh, she's ugly, you know, whatever, that Trump, you know. He, she, he would never do that. But here's, here's the point. They say, oh, Trump's just a terrible guy, and he's this, and he's that. Yeah, but if Mike Pence was, was president, uh, uh, the, 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 the meter, the hate meter, wouldn't go down one inch. Because you've got to know, man, what the real hatred is. It's for God's righteousness and God's truth. Jesus said it very plainly. If you were of the world, uh, it would love, uh, the world would love its own, but I have chosen you out of the world. Uh, and that's this, again, is the gospel here from the beginning in template form uh, that this little baby in the most humblest of places, uh, and what begins to happen? We just read it. I just talked about it in the offering. Uh, they were coming for him. Amen. Herod was not playing games when he found out uh, where he, he was. Uh, he sent his men. Uh, this is when Jesus was around two years old, uh, and they were coming for him. And nothing has changed since. It's the same in our world. God is bypassing the normal power structures of, of this world to reveal his son in people. See, the angels are sent to the humble shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Think about that. Of all the people, God says, okay, wait, hold on. I'm sending you to some people to tell about, to go see Jesus. And this is big now, angels involved. Anybody here, you've been visited by an angel about anything? Anything, you know. Well, okay, you raise your hand. I may bring you up here. I'm just kidding, bro. You can tell me later. You get, a, you, you get a visitation by an angel, man. Like these shepherds, you are scared to death. That Everybody ever met an angel in the Bible, they fell down, prostrated themselves. But, but think about this. Anybody that God could have sent an angel to, but he sends it to who? Well, they had to be close enough to Jesus to get there, right? Okay, within that area. But who's he send the angels to? He sends them to these uh, shepherds that are out, country shepherds living out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. That's who he sent the angel to. I mean, they, they didn't even have enough power to be on the day shift, man. They were the night shift people, you know. 
I don't know, I'll tell you how. They were maybe the younger, had no, had no seniority at all. They were the most humblest uh, of people. And you think, well, it just kind of fits the story, you know, shepherds, kind of romantic. There's nothing romantic about being a shepherd. If you think that, you've never read about being a shepherd. It is not fun. It is what, it is not fun. I'll just put it like that. And yet, think about this. This is who the angel comes to. Not just the angel, but then the whole heavenly host singing and worshiping God and bringing this great invitation. And so, you know, God, listen, the point is God brings his best to even the poorest. God doesn't say, well, you're poor. You can have a, you can have a little bit. My big revelation is for the real smart, educated, rich people. They're going to really understand. No, he brings his best to the most humblest. In fact, he does. That's the way to get his best, is to be the most humblest. He brings the angel. He brings the host of heaven. He brings the reality of what's going on. He brings a tremendous witness uh, to the most humblest of poorest of people. Country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks uh, by night. You couldn't be more insignificant. We and Me and Brother Joseph went to see... Uh, um, What's his name? What's his name? Gorka, yeah. Sebastian Gorka went to, to uh, the college there in, in Rockland. Got two free tickets from the radio station. And so, you know, we just was keep track of what's going on in Washington, D.C. You know, and he's telling it, you know. A lot of the stuff I kind of already heard, but, you know, he's going over his book and stuff. It was interesting talk. Um, but, um, uh, you know, he says that Washington has a, that they call it the Washington Handshake. And uh, the Washington handshake is somebody's shaking hands with you, but they're looking over your shoulder to see if there's somebody more important behind you. I hope that doesn't happen in church, by the way, you know. <laughs> but he says that's the Washington handshake, you know. And because that's the way, that's the way they think. That's, the, that's our world. Power, uh, info. Who's more powerful? Who has more influence? Uh, but I'm going to tell you, God doesn't think like that. God brought his best to these country shepherds. And the scripture says, not only did he give them an invitation and tell them what's happening, don't be afraid. I am bringing you good tidings of great joy. This is, of all the people on the planet, it was these humble people that got this universal message that that was going to be known for, for history. Don't ever underestimate what God can show you and do in your life. Don't ever underestimate. Well, I'm just this. I don't, I'm going to tell you, man, if you're, you're, they were just on their job doing their normal daily life and God broke in. He gives them an invitation. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. And this story is, as I said again, I'll say it one more time is a template for how God preaches the gospel to the world. This Christmas story is a precursor of the gospel being preached in all the world and being taken to the most humble of our world. And I look forward as I close this morning to seeing what God wants to do with this church. And I got nothing against anybody, but there's a lot of need out there in our world. And the gospel goes to the poor of this world. It doesn't just mean materially poor. It means broken in spirit, broken. 
It means defied by this age. It means many times crushed by life itself. And so this story is a reminder of that God always reaches to the low place. You know, the Jews, they were told when they were learning about how to worship God, they said, you're not building some great altar. God, you're not going to go up to God by steps. You're not getting there that way. That's the Tower of Babel stuff. That ain't God. That's the opposite of how God meets us. It's going to be a humble thing. You're going to put it together, and the stones, you're not even going to hone out and make the, you're just going to put stones together, and that, in that humble place, in that place, that's where you're going to meet me. And so we just have an invitation, like those shepherds, go see Jesus. And they had to uh, rise up from there, even though they'd had this tremendous witness, they still had their part. God speaks to us in services, he speaks to us in revivals, he speaks to us in our daily prayers, he speaks to us, but it's still, what are you going to do with that? How are you then going to proceed? These, these, uh, these shepherds could have said, wow, that was quite the experience. I was something. I was a real angel. What do you think? Yeah, I was a real angel. Wow, that heavenly host. Uh, wow, I never see anything like that. Uh, they didn't say, you know, you, well, would you want to go see it? Nah, that's a long walk. Let's just eat lunch, you know. And that's the way that some people are just exactly like that. God gets a hold of you, but you never go for yourself to see Jesus which they did. See, this whole story, again, is a reminder that God is, his bigness is the real story here. I've, you know, I've said this story a couple of times, but I couldn't help but think about this as I'm closing. You know, my friend, Rob Scribner, who pastors in Santa Monica, was running for Congress in, I think it's the mid-'80s, and uh, I don't know if this ha- I think this happened in the Los Angeles area. I don't know if he was back in D.C., but he has a picture that he took with Ronald Reagan. And he has it on his, you know, in his office at his church, you know. And, and uh, he was telling me the story that uh, I go, where did you meet Reagan? And so he said, well, actually, there's a bunch of people. You stand in line, and I don't know you make a donation to the Republic. I don't know what you have to do, but he, uh, he, he, he stood in line and got his picture taken with Reagan. But he says, you come up to the front of the line, George Bush, the one who just died, that was his vice president, he was there, and he shook your hand and said hello and, and everything. And so Bush says to him, you know, uh, you know, how you doing? You know, I'm George Bush, you know, whatever. And he, and he said to Rob, he said, um, you know, it doesn't get any higher than this. Rob looked at him straight in his eyes and said, yeah, it does, Jesus, you know. And George Bush, oh, well, of course, yeah, 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 of course. Oh, yes, absolutely, you know. But now, sorry, Mr. Bush, you already tipped your hand on that one. But it does get higher. Caesar Augustus's, they're always with us. But remember, they're just pawns in God's big picture. And And the great thing is God reaches the humble of this world to be part of his plan. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning.